This is Flipping Tables. Welcome to Flipping Tables, a podcast about technology, gaming, and culture. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm your other host, Mike Edwards. And I think we, we sort of have like a little bit of pseudo follow-up. Yeah. Pseudo-Michael follow-up. <laughs> and uh, so there's... I promise we're not going to report on every single one of these because this will become a thing now to record terrible Comcast service calls. But this one is particularly amazing to me. So there's a link in the show notes. It's Weirdly, it's a YouTube video, but the audio is the only part that matters. And what it boils down to is this gentleman called. He was told he would not be charged. Uh, they're giant liars. They tried to charge him $180 for something that was supposed to be free. And after this very long back and forth with a customer service person, the customer service person actually admits they're only taking the charge off because he has recorded proof of them saying that they wouldn't charge him. Now He's recording this call where she admits this too. Yes. Now, here's the important thing, the kind of crux of this whole thing. Because some of you may have already thought, well, anybody could then just call and say they were told they wouldn't be charged. Here's the problem. Not only was he told he would not be charged, he was billed for work that he had proof was not completed. So they were billing him for doing work inside his home when the technician never came into his home because the problem was out at the pole. So he had proof from his discussion with the technician and what he signed off on what was done that the person never came into his house. He did no work in his house and then he got billed for this. So, I mean, yes, the technician is either wrong or was mistaken. I'm, I'll say it's not a hundred percent definitely malicious, right? but there was either a mistake or there was malicious intent. And the fact that when he had proof that he was telling the truth, they only came back because he had recording of them yeah. lying. It's just the classic, sorry I got caught, not sorry I did a bad thing. Exactly, yes. I'm sorry you're offended. It's, it's, it's a, like a politician's apology, but it's not even so deftly handled. Nothing will stop, like, how much bad press would ever be enough for them to stop doing this? If they can rake in $180 on someone, like, if, like let's say... Even if it got to 10% of these people started recording and complaining and getting out of these fees, 9 out of 10 would just be $180 a pop. Why wouldn't you keep doing this if you have a monopoly? Yes. And I think that's really what it comes down to is as long as they have this monopoly or their duopoly or whatever the hell you call it. Regional monopoly. Yeah. As long as they have that level of control, they have no incentive to change because internet is now, to most people, more fundamental than any other utility save power and water. I mean, like, especially if you live somewhere temperate, you would probably be willing to give up something like air conditioning or heat before you gave up your internet. A lot of people have given up cable and phone, but they won't – they need internet because internet's actually replacing those things yeah. and doing it better. So it, it's – you know, there's the, the whole political shuffling – where the lobbyists become politicians and then the politicians retire and become lobbyists. So they're all in bed with each other. You got a company that has absolutely no incentive to do the right thing. So I don't know. 
we personally don't need to report on every single one of these, but I'm glad this is still happening. Yeah. Because if enough people get angry enough, then something might happen. Then- it at least sort of makes it part of the air when regulators make this like on this new Time Warner merger they want to do. Yeah. It's more part of the air of like they are already an awful company and yeah. you want to give them more power in the market. Yep. Like I don't know how bought off our regulators could be, <laughs> but there's there's some hope that like the stink will rise so high <laughs> that they will just say, you know what? Mama Bell came together like the T one thousand again. We need to break <laughs> it apart again. <laughs> yep. And I kinda I do wonder, is there a possibility so we're off that now. Comcast is terrible. Is there a possibility Point established? <laughs> it's exactly. Period. <laughs> end of sentence. Um, so a lot of people, uh, you know, stream like Netflix or Amazon Video or YouTube or whatever, but they use a whole crap ton of data, and that's really the thing that prevents those people from using wireless as their primary or only connectivity, because they say you, it's an unlimited plan, but really it's like. Five or ten gigs, maybe fifteen. Most people are not on unlimited plans anymore, right? But even if you bought an unlimited data plan, saying this will be the wireless for my house, you would hit. If you watch Netflix, even if you only watch like an hour of TV, yeah, I think a movie is a couple gigs. Yeah, you would kill it so fast. It, that's not even counting whether or not it would do a serviceable job. Plus, I just have my like my computers are just synchronizing Google Drive and Dropbox all the time. Yeah. And for you, synchronizing Dropbox may also be gigs because you do yeah, a lot do of music, music stuff and podcast stuff. So, I mean, that, maybe that's not a normal use case, but streaming video is definitely a normal use case. And I don't – maybe there is, but I don't know of a way. Can you tell Netflix, like on YouTube, you can say don't go above this quality to keep the bandwidth down? I've never seen a setting. Netflix yeah. just tries to adjust for the best your speed can handle. Right. So that means – It's always trying to use more data if it can. Yes. So if you live somewhere that had 4G, you'd be getting HD video and it would kill your cap in no yeah. time. And I mean they don't I've cut you off. I've actually done that occasionally with my mobile device. I'll, like, I'll forget I turn Wi-Fi off Oof. and then I'll be like, yeah, I just watched like half an hour yep. of footage through Hulu of The Daily Show Yeah, <laughs> over my data plan. Crap. Yeah. Why is that something I have to worry about? I, Sucks. I agree. And I don't – maybe you know. What is – is there any kind of technological reason that the, the a thing, physical cable has no bandwidth the cap? The thing they'll always a, say is congestion. But people are still using their phones all the time. Maybe they're not streaming mm. video all the time. But I, I'm a little suspect. It's more like we could make a ton of money. Well, that that's sort of where I'm. I'm really you know it's I'm roundabout, even, but that's where I'm getting to. Here's where I, where I stand is I don't care. Like I, I'm open to the idea of a metered plan of pay for what you use. If there's actual competition and pricing wars on that per gig price, sure. But if it's just yeah, we capped you, right? Then it's kind of like well, sucks. So I, I in yeah. fact, since unlimited more. unlimited has never actually meant unlimited in almost any case. Even uh, home broadband that comes in through a cable, most people don't like realize. 250 gigs or yeah, something. 250, 500 gigs, I think, if you have a business plan. Like, they will stop you if you abuse it. Now, the difference there is it's like a soft cap. It's like it's a like business like you start rule. torrenting the entire internet every yes. night. <laughs> yes, if every month you're hitting 1,000 gigs, 
then they're eventually going to be like, dude, stop. Yeah. But they're not supposed to do that ever. I mean, unless you get down to the nitty-gritty, I'm sure they have all kinds of loopholes yeah. and little outs. So I don't know what it takes. Does, does Google have to start be becoming more of an ISP to everyone just well, to have competition? I saw this. Uh, there are speed – because speed tests are not a difficult thing to do. And if you go adjacent to an area that has Google Fiber, man, their Comcast service is great. <laughs> it's super fast. It's almost like they have to compete. Yeah. So – and I mean people have reported this all over that – if you're in a Time Warner area that's next to um, Google Fiber or if you're in a Comcast area that's next to Google Fiber, they have consistently higher up speeds, higher down speeds, and better connectivity across the board, which means they have already figured out how to make their product not suck and are just being assholes about it. Yeah, and they just have to keep this narrative going of congestion and maintenance and they need tools to limit the high-use subscribers. And it's like, no, you just want to be able to charge really high prices for data. And so like, if, if it was like a couple bucks per gig of data, I would probably buy a ton of mobile data and right. use it. But well, since it's ten dollars a gig on AT and T, yeah, per month, yes, and it's not you can't like bank it. It's not there's no rollover data, and and so this is what I would kind of like to oh God rollover. You remember rollover? <laughs> as soon as minutes didn't cost anything, they becoming unlimited. Yep. So here's what I think could be interesting: the wireless companies and Verizon's in an interesting position because they kind of do both. AT and T kind of does both. I mean, they focus a lot more on wireless. Yeah. So they had a couple funny commercials, but that's about all AT&T has done, right? <laughs> so this would be interesting to me if Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, whoever, if they said, you know what? We have heard you. We know how much you guys hate your home internet. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take out a huge loan or we're going to take all the money we have in savings or whatever and we're going to build out our network as fast as we can. But what we're going to do is we're going to become just a provider of data. Mm. So you can buy a little gizmo and that counts as a data gizmo and that maybe gives data to your laptop or to your PlayStation or whatever. Or you can buy a smartphone and you get data through your smartphone or whatever. But all we're going to do is be this network and then we will sell tools that connect to our network or connect your devices to our network. Mm -hmm. And there will be no caps. Whatever speed is available in your area, you'll get the maximum speed whenever the network allows for it. Like mm -hmm. I think – I mean, this would probably not be a simple project for them to say, like, we're going to drop $150 million suddenly building yeah, out all these Yeah, but Verizon isn't a content company, so maybe they'd be willing to try this. Yeah. Well, and they keep dabbling in it. They Verizon wants to be Comcast sometimes because they have, like, these little recording services and they don't create their own content, but they negotiate exclusive yeah, like the, deals the, like, like cable NFL companies always did. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's very, like, they're... I feel like they're leading more the bad old way than the modern, like, hey, we just offer a good service. Yeah. Maybe you don't have to be locked in forever. If I could pay a competitive price for data, I would. I would buy – it doesn't need to have an unlimited plan. Just let me pay a good price per gig. Right. Yeah. And then I'll just – I will use Here responsibly. if you have to, but I mean yeah. not this, like, $40 a month of – Use it or lose it. Yeah. That's crap. Well, and I feel like uh, 
oh man, what is the name of this company? There's a, a cell phone company. Ting? Is it Ting? I think it's Ting. Probably. <laughs> so are they just reselling Verizon or Sprint? Sprint. Yeah, they're a Sprint reseller. Um, but they do a tiering thing, and they have the most fair billing structure I've ever heard of in the wireless space. You prepay for the amount you think you're going to use. If you don't use that much, they give you money back. If you use more, they ask you for just up to the next tier. So if you paid for, let's say, 10 gigs of data, and then the next tier is 15 gigs, and you used 11 gigs, you just went into the 15-gig tier. So they charge you a few more dollars. So you're not penalized, you're just paying you're for You're paying for tier. what you used. If, you, if the tier below 10 is 5 and you only use 4 gigs, then they give you money back. So it's yeah. like... They're, I mean, they do kind of a pseudo prepay, pseudo bill thing so that they can remain solvent. But at the end of the day, you actually pay for a a reasonable sized block of what you use. It's not like the blocks are 800 gigs. Like, oh, well, the first 800 gigs cost $1,000 and then it's $10 every gig after that. You know, like they're reasonably spaced and they do the same things for minutes and text messages. And I, I would love to see that kind of thing for yeah. home internet or wireless internet. More common, I should say, for wireless internet. I just hate it when you can tell a company gets into that space where the more complicated and convoluted their pricing scheme and tiers and plans and add-ons and, like, it's clearly designed to make people go, ah, (laughs) just give me some stuff. Yeah. And then they pay a lot more for something instead of, like, oh, you want data? $2 a gig, don't care. Do whatever you want. Like Yeah, it's your data. You like, can download 30 billion tweets or you I can want, stream a bunch of movies. I want Google or – I mean Apple's never going to do it because they're not that kind of company. But <laughs> you know, I want someone to come in and just be like, yeah, we're going to make sense out of this market instead of just letting it be a bunch of jerks. Yeah, it's, I mean Google I think is – I don't expect them to actually become a nationwide ISP. But I think that they're going to do – what Google's pretty good at. They're going to be like, hey, look, this isn't that goddamn hard. (laughs) And then other companies are going to be like, oh, crap, they're going to eat our lunch. Because really, when it comes down to it, Google benefits from more people being on the internet. They benefit from people being able to do more. I mean, at what point, like, how many allies can they amass? Because there's so many companies that are internet companies that want cheap, fast, free internet for their customers. Yep. So, like, MLB has been on the net neutrality stuff lately because they want to send baseball games to everyone as much as possible. And so they're actually coming down on the good guy side because they're like, because they don't own a network. They yeah. just own content. And they're like, hey, we just want to be able to get our stuff. People, people won't stream our games because you are being a middleman and we hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and we hate you for it. Yeah, which, I mean, that a story like that really makes me think the, the Title II common carrier thing is kind of the way we need to go. I mean, I know it's policy and regulation and there's lots to it, but it really seems like it kind of makes sense. And I found, I've been looking while we've been talking, uh, this is second quarter of 2013, Comcast revenue was a paltry $16.3 billion. (laughs) So in three months, they made $16.3 billion. Now that's revenue, that's not profit, but $16.3 billion in one quarter. And presumably because they don't get like a holiday Surge. Two of those billion fraudulent charges. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of how it feels, right? 
I mean, and I would like I said, I don't think their quarter by quarter is probably that different. So, fifteen ish billion dollars a quarter. That's what sixty billion dollars in revenue more. Yeah. It's actually more like sixty five billion dollars in revenue a year. It this is yeah. really the best they can do with sixty five billion dollars. <laughs> That's a lot of money. It's a lot. They're just a. They're- they're not a coherent organization from all these exposés that they're yes, just they're so was, big, so disorganized, so many differences in policy everywhere. I was surprised and a little bit frustrated to find out that they outsource a lot of their technical support and it's not that they outsource it, it's that they go very far out of their way to make it sound like they don't. Yeah. outsource it. If they said yeah, something commercials like commercials featuring their technicians. Yes, exactly. If they said something like, you know what, we want to spend our time giving you the best internet service and TV and phone service, and we just pay great technicians because they're great at being technicians, then I would be like, that makes sense. That's distribution of labor. Have the people who are good at one thing do that. Mm-hmm. Someone who's good at something else do another thing. That's not what they're doing. What they're doing is they're finding the cheapest possible technicians. And contracting out to them. And if you read these reports, I think we linked to a a bunch of them last week. But if you read these reports, these people are – and these are the technicians saying like, yeah, we were basically told to do a shit job. So we did because we're super high pressure. They double, triple overbook us. Yeah, They have no incentive to do good work. If there's some market manipulation here, like I always remember reading about the way Walmart treats farmers – because they'd be there'd be things like where Walmart would be late with payment or pickup or something where they would just it'd be threatening that the crop the farmer was giving to Walmart would be spoiled. And yep. then Walmart would come in and be like, Oh, well you can't do anything with that food now. Here's a cheaper price. What else are you gonna do with it? Yeah. And it's just like really, really shitty behavior like that. Yeah, I can tell you from my youth when I was a, a Blockbuster employee. So Blockbuster at the time is in like the late 90s, early 2000s, was a big buyer of DVDs. But we were nowhere near the biggest buyer of videos and DVDs. That was Walmart. They outclassed us by so much that I believe it was paramount. Um, What Walmart used to do, and they may still do this, but I've boycotted Walmart. What Walmart used to do is they would go to the companies and they would say, Um, Hey, just so you know, we put your movies in the back of our store and we use them as a loss leader. So we're going to charge 16 bucks for a $25 DVD. And that way people have to walk through the whole store to get to it. And that's a way we trick people into a store. So Mm -hmm. make your peace with it. And after years of this, Paramount, I think it was Paramount, finally stood up and was like, no, Walmart, you stop. And Walmart said, if you ever bring this up again, we will stop buying movies from you. And like that's – it doesn't matter how empty that threat may have been. Scared them straight immediately. <laughs> it would crush them. I mean, most companies make – most production companies make the majority of their money from DVD sales. I feel like Apple had some of that – maybe it's waned recently, but they had that kind of power with iTunes MP3 sales. They definitely did. AAC sales. Because, <laughs> yeah, anytime like Sony or one of the – not that they are shining examples of humanity. I'm nope. sure the music companies are pretty evil themselves. Yes. But anytime they wanted to back out, it was kind of like, 
okay, we'll just turn off your music in our store and you'll sell zero. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting. I don't I don't think um, you and I have talked about Well, it's because they but... wanted to raise prices on MP3s and Apple's like a dollar is what people will pay for a song. Yes. <laughs> and because Apple was very aware that there were other companies like Amazon capable of doing what iTunes was doing. So having the library and the price gave them a no question yeah. edge, which is why it was kind of an, for a like long the time, most Amazon like part of Apple was the, the music pricing being kept low. Yes. And for a long time, Amazon MP3s for popular songs, 89 cents, yeah. not 99 cents. <laughs> and I remember cause I had a lot of friends who were who were big Apple people and they had iPhones and they were like, oh, I that had to be Amazon I, eating I think it to gain leverage. Right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that money had to come from somewhere. Um, but so this actually this this brings me around to something. I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but are you familiar with what Amazon's going through with Hachette? Only, I mean, there's there's so much speculation because we don't get to see the actual how who's the bad guy behind the scenes. Yes. <laughs> That's true. It is Which a is lot probably of everyone. I'm just going to speculate. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's making power plays and playing to the press. But it seems, yeah, publishers hate Amazon's control. Mm-hmm. Amazon has, I don't know, it seems like Amazon has some struggles with trying to have a good PR side to this. They are definitely <laughs> struggling. Whether they're in the right or not, they are losing the PR battle. So... Because they're like, think of the authors, is all the publisher has to keep saying. <laughs> think of the ch- Won't someone please think of the children? So what I would like to see come out of this is the publishers maybe lose a lot of their power and Amazon also kind of loses some of their power and it really does go back to the authors. Because – and I've never gone through this, so if you're like a marketer or someone, please don't rip my head off. But <laughs> – you have no product to advertise if you're a publisher or storefront like Amazon if there's no product. Yeah. So it kind of really starts with the author. And then there's ad campaigns and there's cover art and there's all these things that help it be a successful product. But you kind of need the product first. But the Amazon's leverage is they own the customer that buys the product. Yes, which now I think a lot of people are terrified of their Kindle. Which is like the same thing with every single Apple keynote. They're like touting not just how many billions they sold or how many billions they gave to developers, Mm -hmm. but also how many millions of credit cards they have on file. Yep. It's just like we own the customer. (laughs) Yes, because if you have the Amazon App Store and the Apple Store that you can buy something from, you're going to just lean to the one that is a single push. You're not going to go to a website and buy a PDF that you have to download and drag onto your device. Whichever one is just like, book, go to my device now, or (laughs) app or song or whatever. And I really, I see the the possibility and the beginnings of getting away from this kind of lock-in, but it's going to be an uphill battle all the way. And if we ever get out of it, it's going to be a constant battle to stay out of it. I mean, you remember... IE's issue back in the 90s, the whole thing that made Microsoft get broken up was because Windows PCs came bundled with Internet Explorer. It was and more you, than that. It that was, was, that because was a Because they used it. that as leverage to force OEMs to prevent yes. a different one. Yes. Coming pre-bundled. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But that was the thing is they knew that if a user opened the box and it had Internet Explorer already on it, probably weren't going to install anything else because they're like, oh, I can get to the internet. 
I mean, people are a little bit more savvy now, but Internet Explorer, I think seven or eight, is still like the most popular browser in the world. There's a lot of inertia. I need to look up for it. <laughs> There's a lot of inertia behind whatever happens to be installed when you get there. You know, I mean, this is why I go to a restaurant and I'll get a hamburger with pickles, lettuce, tomato, onion, um, sautéed mushrooms, cheese, uh, ketchup, mustard, and and fries on the side. But if I make a hamburger at home, I'm like, ketchup only because it's all the setup is is being done by somebody else. Interesting graphic here on Wikipedia about this. If you go by countries (laughs) most used, Chrome is is killing it. Yes, so that's that's just. The country. Opera owns most of Africa somehow. That is weird. And the Android browser is actually the most used in a few remote places. Yeah. And then no data. (laughs) Yes. I like – that's very scientifically accurate when they say no data for Antarctica as if there were people there to survey. Wouldn't it be more accurate to say like no data exists, not no data has been collected? So it looks like Chrome is hovering around the 40 to 45, depending on part of the world. So that, that's, Which is more than any other browser. Okay, but that's is that worldwide market share? This is, let's see, share of desktop browsers for June 2014 is all it says. So wow. I guess worldwide. According to, so yeah, depending on the different stat counters, anywhere from 38 to 48%. That's awesome. It's I'm, I'm so happy to be wrong. <laughs> is Internet Explorer has to be next. It's 20-ish. Yeah. Firefox is also 20-ish. Safari is 5 to 10, depending. Yeah, I wonder... This, we don't have to bother to dig into this right now, but I would be interested to see if Chromium counts towards Chrome... True. You know, the open source project that Google Chrome is based on. Um, I don't know if that would really prove anything, but I'll bet there are some places that use the open source one. Like anybody who uses a Linux desktop, Chromium might come pre-installed because it's free open source software. But Google Chrome, while free and mostly open source, is still considered proprietary because of their little top layer. Yeah. So... Yeah. So our other I, topic for the day, yeah, I'm going to let you do this one, <laughs> is how stupid console ex- or just exclusive games are. Yes, especially, I'd say, in this day and age. Yeah. So the reason I'm angry about this is the Tomb Raider game that came out, like, I think last year, was a pretty good game. It was kind of like an Uncharted. Yeah, there's the, the one where she was, like, a little de-sexed. She's on the island. She has the it's, bow. Yeah. Yeah. It's way more like an Uncharted or Last of Us style game and way less like I, – I, I've never liked the Tomb Raider games. Uh, when I was a kid, I thought – because it was new. Like there was well, nothing like that. It was that. neat 3D and polygonal, but yes. I never – even then, never thought they were fun to play. I thought they were really bad control schemes. They were. They were very Resident Evil. Yeah. Sort of like you could run and shoot, but – Otherwise, it was Terrible. really chunky. The camera was bad. So, but you could swan dive off of a cliff and kill yourself when you were bored. <laughs> right. So the <laughs> the new game was excellent, and it, it was it stacks right up there with some of the best third person adventure games out there these days. And so I was excited, like, oh, they're going to make a sequel. Turns out Microsoft dropped a bag of money, probably with a dollar sign on it, <laughs> off on their desks. And now it's not it's not only not going to PlayStation, it's not even going to PC. Oh. 
And so it's Xbox See, only. That's weird because a lot of Xbox exclusives are also PC. Yeah, you Since think, Windows kind of controls that. Right, you'd market. think Microsoft would be like it's Microsoft platform only or something, but yeah, huh? Maybe the they're so worried about the gap because the gap between the Xbox and the PS4 is is big, but it's not insurmountable. So m- maybe they're afraid of the gap getting too big. It's not that big of a gap. Like you mean, like in terms of power, or no, in terms oh. of k- install base. So the the last Tomb Raider game sold three to one PS4 to Xbox. So they're going exclusive <laughs> on the platform it sold worse on, and I right. doubt that's because you know all those people were <laughs> they owned both platforms and they just preferred PS4. Yeah, no, I'm sure it's just yeah, PS4 has a lot more. People. Yeah, so I I can't see how a big bag of money wouldn't be involved in this decision. So the only the only defensible exclusive, uh, first off, we're leaving out first party games. That's a different situation. Yes, Mario gets Nintendo to live on the is not a douchebag for not. Well, yeah. maybe they are a little bit, but <laughs> I'm not surprised. Set that, Sam is free. I'm not surprised that Mario is not coming out on PlayStation. Um, What's the only defensible idea that I've come up with is for games. So Bayonetta two, Bayonetta two is an example here where that game was not going to get made until Nintendo stepped in and said, "We will help you publish this game." Really, it's going to be Wii U only. Uh, Makes sense. So it, the game would was, never have happened otherwise. Sure. Because Nintendo directly funded an otherwise yeah. unhappening project. And the last Tomb Raider game sold 7 million copies, which was supposedly less than Square Enix wanted sure. to sell or thought it was going to sell. But it's by no means an unsuccessful game. Right. Well, particularly by Wii U standards. And so let's, I, let's I, I don't really buy that that's the case here, that the game was in development hell and wasn't funded and Microsoft swooped in and saved it. No, particularly not that it's part of a decades-old, illustrious series that has sold tens of I millions think that's of what, units. that's what gets people's goat, so to speak, is... It's like, if you there's a new game that gets announced that's single-platform, it's not that... Yeah, you might be a little miffed if it doesn't come to your platform, but it doesn't feel like you got slighted. It's like, oh, they gained something. Sure. I didn't lose something. Right. But when it, like an 18-year-old series, <laughs> long established as multi-platform as possible. Was it originally a PlayStation exclusive? Sega Saturn had it, too. No shit. And PC had it. Sega it's Saturn. always been multi-platform. I knew it was PC going way back, but even, all the way back to one? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So then there's there I see no acceptable <laughs> so excuse for this. All they've done is I hope that bag of money was really big because all they've done is reduce the number of potential customers. Well, and the, so as a, a from the technical standpoint, I'm very fascinated by this because what I've been hearing from before the PS4 and the Xbox One were released is that their architecture is now just basically <laughs> yes that exactly they are basically identical and more importantly they are basically PCs which means why the hell would a game ever not be PlayStation 4 Xbox 1 and PC because i mean i'm sure yes there's obviously extra work but it's not 3 times as much work so even if it was double the amount of work to put it on all three platforms, you now have three times as many avenues to get customers. Yeah. You got the PC Master Race people, you got the Sony loyalists, you got the X boners, like 
Why wouldn't you do that? So I can see lots of reasons Microsoft wants this. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I can't see a reason as a fan of gaming you should want this. No. Because it doesn't benefit you. It just helps Microsoft try to gain some steam against Sony. And so do you happen to know, because I haven't read the article that you helpfully linked in the show notes, um, do you happen to know, is this a permanent exclusive? Because there's been a lot of weird, like, it launches on PlayStation, but then a month later it will be on the Xbox. Or it launches on Xbox, but then a month later it's on PC, that kind of thing. Every indication is that this is a permanent exclusive. They <sighs> use the phrase fully exclusive. Ooh, yeah. They never said timed exclusive or 2015 exclusive. Or, yeah, or, ooh, nah, that's not a good look. And, like, I mean, Sony's got a little bit of this going. Like, I, I, It's douchey no matter what company. I'm not a <laughs> fanboy. This. Like, if you're an Xbox fan, you didn't gain something extra. You just continue to get this game, and other people don't get it. Yes. Yeah, but everybody else is suffering. And so when you gloat to the other team, why are you on a team, first of all? <laughs> <laughs> so I remember when the, the PS3 was new, a lot of developers or you know, armchair developers were saying like, well, the cell architecture is so complicated and it's so difficult to develop for. And that may very well be true. I have no idea. But I can tell you that by the middle of the generation, there were other developers actively saying, you know, we figured it out. Like, yes, it was new and different. We've now figured it out. So yeah. you can stop acting like this is a Rubik's Cube that's never been solved. We've put it together. There are lots of games on the PS3. So obviously we have figured out how to do this. And now that that hurdle is not just reduced, but basically gone, I don't know how anyone like, – I don't even know how Microsoft would be benefiting from this because you have the customers who are absolutely no question Microsoft fans and that's fine. And they're like, yeah, we got an exclusive. But now you have other people who are a little bit more platform agnostic who are like, you know, screw you guys. Like well, I'm especially angry at that if now. You're PC gaming master race that has <laughs> consoles just for dumb exclusives or for first party exclusives, mm -hmm. and now you're like, I bought every PC version of Tomb Raider ever. I'm a huge fan. Now I don't get to run it in 1440p with my thousand dollar graphics card. <laughs> I have to run it in 900 or 720p. Right. And since I'm someone who cares about graphics, I am now angry because you are not releasing the highest quality version possible. Yep. <laughs> And it's uh, it's like it's if something went like Sony DVD player exclusive, and you're <laughs> like, but I want a Blu-ray of this movie. Yeah, and it's like, well, it's only coming out on DVD for this model. <laughs> Remember when the Wii launched and they announced that it wouldn't play DVDs? Yeah, and anyone who knew even a passing bit about technology went, why? And Nintendo Licensing was like, fees. Eh. Yeah, but, I mean, the licensing fees would have raised the cost of the console, like, dollars, not even tens of dollars. <laughs> it's just, I remember the first time I was at my friend's house, he had a Wii, like, not long after it launched, and I was like, oh, you know, do you want to watch this movie before we, like, go out and do whatever we were doing? We had a little time to kill, and he had to, because he had an older TV at the time, he had to unplug the Wii <laughs> and plug in his DVD player. I was like, isn't that weird? Yeah. Aren't the games on DVDs? Because I, I, I had a PS2. The, the so other thing like, I said is everyone already has five DVD players. Why would we need to add another one? Goddamn principle, the thing. <laughs> I may never play your game on Linux, but if you can port it from Windows and Mac and Linux easily enough, just release it for Linux. 
it's the same kind of thing. Like, just spend the $2, the $10, whatever it is, and make it play DVDs. Yeah. I don't feel like my PS2 so is the real, overpriced. The good guy Greg and all the the platforms here is Steam, I feel like. As usual. Um, I'm wondering, will they ever pull this trick? Will they go, like, Half-Life is only on Steam boxes? Because that would, that would kill a lot of goodwill I had. I was just like, yeah. what? <laughs> if they went that route, I think the backlash, because, I mean, I don't have anything against PC gamers. We do almost always use the phrase PC Master Race. <laughs> but the reason that that phrase is there is because for every diehard Sony loyalist and Nintendo fanboy and Microsofty, the PC gamers are ultra dedicated. These are the modders. These are the people who spend their time writing mods to games that they then give away for free just because they love it that much. They are constantly upgrading their machines. They're spending more money on – And Steam's like actually working to get them money because like there's (laughs) modders that get to sell their maps through Steam. Yeah. So for Steam to build up this just unheard of amount of goodwill in the games industry and then be like, you know what? Let's just go back to that old shitty business model that everyone hated. I think to, well, it's like Titanfall is not on Steam, right? But to wrong such loyal diehards, that sounds to me like a great like. It's like if the Pope came out and was just like, you know what? Um, everything we ever said, we it's the opposite now. Exact opposite. <laughs> like you would have a lot of really angry, really devout Catholics. And that's how the heads of companies get, you know, ushed out of office. Is there any mechanism in the Catholic Church to remove a pope? Assassination? It's <laughs> killing them. Well, you can retire, but they make a huge news cycle out of it. Because you're supposed to be pope for so life. So it would be the force to resign? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to spend more time with my family. But he's the voice of God <laughs> when he speaks as Pope. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. We have to take a second. The Pope saying in my terrible Italian accent that he's going to spend more time with his family is a very smart joke <laughs> because he's the Pope and has no family. So if you're not laughing your socks off at home, I just feel so sorry for you. But that, I, I don't think Steam could possibly do that, to your point. And i got to say, as someone who – has gotten in the last couple years into the Humble Bundle. Because you can download those games directly, but I don't. Mm. (laughs) I do it through (laughs) Steam because Steam is awesome. Like, I'm not a PC gamer, but their product is so good that the few times I play, like, years-old PC games, do I go buy it for $3 on a CD from the Walmart bin? No, I buy it for $5 or $6 through Steam because their service is amazing. So I just... Oh, God, the uproar. Reddit would be a mess if Steam ever did anything like that. So console exclusives are dumb. They are. Stop it. That's another fine point with a period. I'm just, I don't want to buy another gaming system that duplicates everything the one I have does just to play one game. You know, and this is the thing that makes me the most nostalgic for the PS2 and back era Because there was a time in my young life where I was fortunate enough to have a Super Nintendo and a Sega Genesis. I had to roll a lot of quarters, but I eventually, for a brief time, was able to afford both of those systems. 
And I had a couple of generous friends that were willing to let me borrow games, so I had like access to a nice library. But there was a reason to have two systems. Now, my PlayStation is primarily a Netflix machine <laughs> that also plays games. But it can do so much other crap that I care so very little about. And I feel like the X- like PlayStation Home? What, the, what, is, what is that? What even is that? Like They've basically abandoned that, haven't they? I, I've never they're, heard they're anything like more about virtual it. Virtual Second Life thing? Yeah. It's it may still exist, but it's not on the PS4. No. Well there you go. <laughs> yeah. So their plan is to probably just let it die silently and sadly in the corner. But I mean, other than game exclusives, is there really any benefit? Does anybody really care that the PlayStation has a cross media bar and the Xbox has the cards? Yeah. Like, really? I mean, if it were up to me, I would never deal with any of that crap. I loved just putting a cartridge in and turning the system on and the game started. Well, I like how on the the Wii U, which doesn't – normally I wouldn't be defending its OS because it's kind of slow. Um, (laughs) They have some updates. Now you can press the home button on the Wii gamepad even when the system is off and you get the last 10 apps or games you used. Oh. To launch straight into them instead of loading oh, into the OS. Thing. And I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Do and more of that. I mean, that's a tacit acknowledgement that, like, they don't really care about the Chrome of the operating system. It's a gaming system. Like, I really don't need a new and innovative interface on my microwave. I just want to put food in it and have the food come out hot. That's... I, yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that... Today, cartridge- Apple reinvents the microwave. <laughs> no. The iWave. With the click wheel. <laughs> Just spin it for as many seconds as you need. Angry aardvarks <laughs> advocate for... <laughs> You'll have to find... Have we ever... I don't think we've linked to that before. You have to throw that in the show notes. It's Just one so- of the best onion videos ever made. It is. So I, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to explain what Mike was just talking about, but it's a really funny onion video, and it'll be in the show notes. But I, I just think, like, aside from the fact that games started up instantly in the cartridge era, I understand modern games can't do that. But because my PlayStation used to, I have a Chromecast now, but because my PlayStation used to be a Netflix machine, I actually had to disable launching directly into the game, which is irritating. Like, I would almost rather have a yeah. button that was like, Either turn on and go to Netflix or Does turn on. Does your TV and go not have Netflix built in? It doesn't. I intentionally got a stupid TV because I've never used a smart TV that I liked. Right. They're just all awful. And a Chromecast is thirty five bucks. the The model of TV I have comes in smartness, and the <laughs> the smartness version is like two hundred dollars more. And I've used these interfaces. They're not worth two hundred dollars. No. So this is either going. This is either like a stupid people tax, or it's <laughs> a convenience people super lazy tax, or there's some kind of licensing nonsense I don't know about. But that doesn't seem right. I mean, I don't think Netflix licenses their app. They, out. No, they just want their stuff to be yeah. everywhere. <sighs> I'm just now. I just want to go play Super Nintendo. So I sit down you want and to move the power button up, and instantly you're at the start screen. And it's such a—it's a satisfying, at least mine. Maybe it was broken, but it was a very satisfying like clunk. You know, like you pop the cartridge in, it made like a clunk. You hit the thing, it made a clunk, and then, and then the theme song to Super Mario World started. Emulating doesn't give you that feel. There's no clunking. <laughs> they need—they need like a. a fake Do you missile credit card machines? <laughs> <laughs> 
I've you used, have to use our button maker. I have <laughs> maybe I should. I have used those old credit card machines again in my terrible young life at Blockbuster, but they uh, they were satisfying as hell. <laughs> Here, this is the fun fact I'm going to end on. The noise that doors make on cars when they shut is intentional. Part of the engineering of a car is to make the doors make a certain noise within a certain tonal range. When you close it correctly? Yes, so that it sounds sturdy. Because most modern cars are made out of very lightweight materials. They're meant to, like, crumple. Yes. But people have this ridiculous old-fashioned idea that they need to be driving a tank that's made out of reinforced steel. So they actually make the doors in such a way that they go, like, clunk when they close, even though it's a totally artificial sound. And it's a borderline recording. I remember Microsoft described the sound their kickstand made on yes. the surface as a car door sound. Yes, because when you open it, it sounds sturdy, like it is locked into place. I mean, that's this is a great example of one of those things that even though I know I'm being manipulated and that it doesn't matter, it totally matters. <laughs> I just it, This is why the placebo effect works, even if you know you're taking a placebo, because the mind is a stupid thing. <laughs> A stupid thing to waste. That's right. So, Mike, where can people find these awesome show notes out on the internet? Head to flippingtablespodcast.com slash zero two six. Six. Yes. Okay. We are past the, our quarter-life crisis. <laughs> so we're only doing 100 of these and we're stopping? We, uh, crap. That probably wasn't the right way to phrase that then. We're – we've – uh, I can't – nothing with quarter will work because that implies 100. anniversary. Yes. Our, we've passed our 25th anniversary. Oh, yikes. <laughs> what are your favorite flipping tables moments over the <laughs> months? <laughs> uh, this, is, this is your life. So we've done basically half a year of this podcast, just about. We have. See, now that's a nice way to say it. That's an accomplishment that doesn't have like some terrifying end date. <laughs> This podcast we intended to do twice a month and yes. immediately did every week. Yep. So I think that's high five. That's an accomplishment. Yep. Bada boom. So head, yeah, head to flippingtablespodcast.com slash 026 for show notes. You can find me on the web at M. Edwards Music on Twitter or pseudomichael.com. How about you? People can find me at Lions in Beta on Twitter or lionsinbeta.com or plus David Lions on Google Plus. And I have to say, Having uh, lines in beta, um, you know exactly when you talk to someone how technical of a person they are. Because when they're like, oh, how do I find you online? I'm like, oh, I'm at lines in beta. And those words in that order make sense to someone who deals with technology a lot. And someone who doesn't is like, I don't. I, the, so you're not the, an alpha male? Yeah, what? The fish? <laughs> the Greek alphabet? Are you, are you a trucker? What do you, I don't know what you're saying. So it's. I didn't mean for it to be like a technical litmus test when I'm talking to people, but it, <laughs> it totally one. is. Yeah, it totally is. So, w- do we want it? Do we have any specific follow up this week? Um, I don't got anything. I got nothing either. If we think of something, we'll add it to the bottom of the show notes. the The follow up is tell your friends about our podcast. There you go. <laughs> and we have so many fine places they can subscribe, yes. follow, like, plus one tweet, YouTube, subscribe, RSS, all that crap. Yep. Get to it. Be our street team. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>